Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Today on the show, we're discussing new class size mandates for kindergarten through third grade from the General Assembly and the dramatic impact they are already having in some schools across North Carolina as a new school year begins. We'll also discuss what it may look like next year, barring changes by legislators. We'll talk to teachers, administrators, and school board leaders all on today's program. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with our headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. State Board of Education members expressed shock last week upon learning just how seriously the General Assembly's newly enacted principal pay plan could hurt the state's most experienced principals. Average pay for North Carolina principals ranked 50th last year nationally, so to address it, lawmakers passed a new pay plan that moved away from salaries largely based on experience to so-called performance-based plan that relies heavily on student test scores to calculate pay. But the plan's design has produced scenarios that result in some veteran principals conceivably earning as much as 30% less than what they earned on the old pay schedule, as well as possibly setting up a disincentive for the best principals to go to more challenging high poverty schools where growth in test scores is much harder. Well, it's another week and another round in the battle between the State Board of Education led by Republican Bill Covey and the State Superintendent, Republican Mark Johnson. The latest public skirmish involved the hiring of a new chief academic officer who reports to both Johnson and the State Board. Johnson had encouraged the board not to hire Stacey Wilson Norman. She's a 17-year Durham Public Schools veteran with a court stay that was set to expire this week that would grant him more power over hiring and firing. The board moved ahead with the hire anyway, citing DPI staffing concerns from a high number of senior resignations, retirements, and layoffs due to budget cuts. The board filed a motion to extend the stay, which is being heard this week, and Johnson filed a motion in opposition. The state's new North Carolina Innovative School District has named 48 low-performing elementary schools that are eligible to be taken over by a yet-to-be-named charter school operate that will run these schools. You can see the complete list on our website under Education Matters Resources. ISD Superintendent Eric Hall, who's pictured here from a recent show, will narrow the list of eligible schools and present his recommendations to the State Board of Education at its October meeting and the first two schools that could be selected in November or December. Finally, the State Board approved North Carolina's Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA, plan last week. ESSA is the new federal education law signed by President Obama that replaced No Child Left Behind signed by President George W. Bush. While the North Carolina plan passed, concerns were raised about the continued reliance on standardized tests to evaluate how schools are doing. Superintendent Johnson, and DPI's federal policy director, Lou Fabrizio, emphasized that the state has flexibility to make changes down the road. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as all the other topics we cover each week. Now, as said at the top of the show, our topic this week is the new class size mandates enacted by the General Assembly. 
You may recall from a previous show we explained how the move to hard caps on class sizes may affect the job of specialty teachers like art, music, and PE. And this year we're already seeing some of that impact in the schools. And we are joined now by two teachers from here in Wake County who can talk to us about the impact that they're seeing in their schools. We have first, we have uh, Gussie Marshallsee. Gussie is a doing? visual arts teacher at Pleasant Grove Elementary in yes. Wake County. And then next to her is Jasmine A. Hi. Sutton. Now, Jasmine A. is a music teacher in Wake County. She's also, I should point out, the president-elect of the North Carolina Music Educators Association. So she has, uh, she's been talking to some of her colleagues across the state as, as recent as this weekend. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk to you all about that. I want to start with you, Gussie, first. Um, the class size reductions and, then, and the funding issues associated with them, how have that, how's that affected um, you um, individually and your colleagues at uh, Pleasant Grove? Right, well we're already starting to see an impact. We're starting to see um, composite classes or combo classes. We know that the restrictions are going to be greater this coming year, so we also know that there is a more than likely um, we may be moved to art on a cart, which is um, limiting our resources and our opportunities to reach our children with differentiated learning experiences that we do offer in our specialty programs. Now the art on a cart, I, uh, I saw there was been a, I saw a picture in the, in the local newspaper. Is that already happening at your school? I know it's happening in other schools. Right. Basically, explain to, for viewers who haven't, uh, sure. and, and haven't, don't know what we're talking about, what's right. going on? Um, I, I am actually not teaching art on a cart at this time, but the probability of it, it um, very much so in the future. But there are other um, teachers that are doing that at this time. And basically what it is, it's like putting your art classroom, to make it very simple, in a shopping cart. So you are limiting the materials and you're limiting the resources. And, um, you know, one of the things that come to my mind is the students love clay. It's a wonderful material for them to be creative and critical in their thinking. But um, we have to be realistic. We can't put the kiln. It's very difficult to manage. Jasmine, you're... you're um seeing those same kinds of things play out here in Wake, and what are you hearing about from across the state? Um, one of the things that I'm hearing a lot of is already those counties um, where the teachers are only seeing their students for half the year, and then they have to move to another school. And so the biggest worry is how much are we going to be able to push back and say a quarter of the year for music and arts, a quarter of the year for your other elective um, classes, a lot of my friends that are in other places are on carts already. So where are we going to put them if we have to meet this mandate? And where are they going to go? And, and we're looking at, a, at, at larger, I mean, there's a little bit of a reprieve this year um, as far as a little more flexibility mm -hmm. still for administrators. But next year, the numbers get tighter. Yes, the numbers get tighter. Um, and also the positions start to, we have to fill them, and so where are we going to be putting those teachers? And it puts principals in the place of figuring out wh who do I keep and who do I have to say, we can't have that program anymore. There are also places, I've had friends who, they were in a middle school setting, and they were teaching music, and because they weren't teaching enough classes, they had to take that position from the middle school and then move them down to the elementary school. Gussie, we, um we're talking about the, um, again, teachers having to push their classroom around in a cart, but mm -hmm. um, really at the end of the day, we're talking about the impact on students. And you've already, you already mentioned that, but uh, can you go a little bit further about sort of what do you see, sort of what the, um, 
what that might do for the educational experience for the students? Well, we know that our students love art. They love music. And there's a lot of our students here in Wake County and across the nation that they get up in the morning because they want these classes. Right. And they feel passionate about these classes just as we do as educators teaching them. And I think what happens is where it's a watered down effect. We won't be able to reach some of these students the way that we've reached them before with all the resources. And I think one thing that's really important about our specialist classes is it does build trust and relationships that perhaps these students haven't had that opportunity before. Mm -hmm. um, Jasmine, you don't see um, um, music as just an add-on, right? No, it is. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's a space for all of our children mm -hmm. to be successful. Absolutely. And, and that's what we love about what we do every day because it doesn't matter where they start, it's about a process of growth. And so it teaches them to approach a challenge and to grow through that. Um, and I love what you were talking about, that watered-down effect when we do have to, as educators, have to shift to making what this grand thing that we do in our classroom mm -hmm. um, fit, the box. It fit yeah. into a shopping into, cart. Yeah. And that quality of education goes down. That's right. And so our children are missing out on that challenge, that growth, that space to be successful. Now, Gussie, before we started uh, taping, you and I were chatting about um, your concern that you don't think the public really sees this. They don't really know what's going on, which is part of why we do this show. That's right. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I did mention that um, my concern is um, my children are in their, in their 20s, in their mid-20s. And, um, and I think sometimes what happens when our children are not involved in the public education anymore, we tend to uh, not worry about it. It doesn't impact us directly. And, and I want, you know, the public should be concerned. These are our children and these are our future leaders. Um, and these are areas where, as you said, um, you know, our students can make connections. Last word for you. Um, how does this affect the overall profession, the teachers and, and, and music educators in general? Um, well, when we wait, we don't get highly qualified teachers to be in those classrooms. When we conduce our profession, to a cart, mm -hmm. we don't get the quality teachers that we need to be teaching our students the quality education. And even if we do get those quality teachers, we're not able to give them the quality education that they deserve. Right. So it's for our students. Right. Well, thank and you both for being here today. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you helping our, the, our viewers yeah. understand the issue better. Thank you kindly. When we come back, we're going to talk to a school principal and a local school board member about how they are meeting the new class size caps. But first, see if you can answer this question. To prepare, prepare for smaller class sizes, which of the following might principals have to do? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer all of the above? I know that's a long list, but there's a lot of things, and we're going to talk to a school principal here in just a moment about many of the things, like converting classrooms and going to uh, uh, classes on carts um, in our next segment. So our next segment, we have uh, two great educational leaders who are going to help us understand what's going on with the issue with them. We have, first, we have Kathy Hardenstein. Kathy is a member of the Wake County School Board, but also a longtime 
high school, our school principal. I'm not, I think you were in elementary school, actually. Um, so she's got the experience of both uh, leading a school and also in the policy making now on the school board. And then we have Aaron Marson. Aaron is the principal at Leadmine Elementary School here in Wake County. Aaron also serves on a committee uh, that actually gives advice to the school board on the issue of class size. So he um, has a good um, handle both on what he's having to do at his own school, but also what's happening across the county. So let me, um, I'm going to start with you, Aaron. Yes, you saw that list that we just put up about uh, some of the things that principals are uh, having to do. So explain to viewers exactly what's going on with this reduced class size and sort of how and the specialty teachers and what it's doing across the school. Right. So in Wake County alone, we're going to be, when this policy goes into place, we will be 9,500 seats short, meaning we're going to have 9,500 kids without classrooms to sit in because we can't exceed those class size numbers. So we are looking at all the possibilities and those things include fourth and fifth grade teachers having more than 29 kids in their classrooms, taking one classroom and putting you know, 36 kids in there with two teachers. So it's one classroom space with two highly qualified certified teachers in there, using an art room as a classroom, using a music room as a classroom. Um, we're talking, we're making recommendations to the board um, we're asking them to cap some of our schools so that we don't allow more growth than they can already handle. That's reassignment. <laughs> if for parents who are watching, you're talking about reassignment, right? That, okay. that is Correct. that. Yes, okay. sir. Uh, we're tr and every school is different. And so what works in one school may not work in another. So there's a long list, um, and it's specifically designed for the population of students at each school elementary school in Wake County. Right. Now, Kathy, okay, I thought the intent of the, of, the, of the class size mandate was the lower class sizes, and Aaron here is telling me that we're now seeing uh, bigger classrooms. How does, what's going on? Why is that happening? I think the intent of the law is to help our students become more proficient readers and to have higher uh, achievement. So it seems like lower class size is the answer, but it's not the answer because it, it causes a tremendous amount of upheaval in our system because we cannot um, be able to provide the classroom space that will be required. And I don't think you're going to get what you want, which is higher proficiency for our students, more time with their teachers. It's not just about smaller class size. And, and the class size cap, and we're, the average mm -hmm. class, the, the, what it has been, the average class size has been for, for K through three, when we're talking about mm -hmm. that, has been an average of 21 across a district we're moving to lower numbers, 16, 17, but it's a hard cap uh, per right. class. And Aaron knows this, when, 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 when students show up on the day one, they don't come in neat packages, right? Of, That's of correct. 18 kids at a time. <laughs> That's right, yes. And, and you have, you start in kindergarten with 18, then in first grade it goes to 16. So how, what is that gonna look like for the next year? Because you try to have the, pretty much the same number of classes in your K-3. So it's going to produce a tremendous challenge um, both at uh, the district level and at the school level. So what, um, Aaron, uh, personnel changes. We've, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna explain a little bit more in my final word, but why is it, um, why are specialty teachers like the two we just had on, uh, two great teachers here in Wake County, right. why is that affecting them? They, they chose this profession because they're passionate about the work that they do. And when we, I, using their term, water that down, they're gonna lose some of that passion. Right. Because what they want to do with students to help them achieve and make connections is gonna be lost. And so we may lose highly qualified candidates in our district who may want to choose to do something else. Well, aren't we also, Kathy, facing the fact that we may not be able to afford them at all? 
<laughs> I mean, that's really, the, I mean, when you get right down to it, I mean, it's, it's, there's one thing about having art on a cart, it's one thing just not having art in the school at all. And depending on how our legislature chooses to fund our art music and PE, yes, at this current time, we're not seeing a happy future for our art music and PE teachers, um, much less just a classroom space. Now, are you hearing, um, you're on the district wide, so you're, you're in an elementary school, but yeah. you're hearing about, are, are we seeing impact um, in the upper grades, not just fourth and fifth, but in the middle schools? Every decision that, that involves money is gonna have a district-wide impact. So when we start talking about having to reduce these class sizes and find space for kids, we're talking about spending money that might go to build a middle school or a high school that might have to go to build an elementary school to meet this mandate. So we are gonna be affecting all students kindergarten through 12th grade. Does it also mean that certain, like, I don't know, advanced classes or other things that maybe certain schools might offer, they might not be able to offer anymore, simply because they, one, maybe they can't afford the teacher, but they also just simply don't have an extra classroom? And that might be something that happens later on. It's not something we've discussed yet, because right now we're just facing that challenge of the space. Right. Kathy, as a, um, again, you've, you've, you've been in Aaron's seat, but mm -hmm. you're also um, now having to talk to your colleagues on the school board and ask the county commission for money yes. and ask the and talk to legislators about the impacts. What, what do you think needs to happen? When I look at what our challenge is, we need stays. We, um, we cannot build 14 schools um, by the time school starts in 1819. It is not gonna happen. And we have 27 schools in Wake County that cannot accommodate the new mandate. Um, there are ways in which we can get close to it, um, but we're not gonna be able to do that. We need to concentrate on the learning of the students. What are the uh, things that we can put in place that's gonna benefit our students? That's our main concern. We wanna have stability. We wanna use our finances re responsibly, but we don't have enough to be able to do what the mandate has asked us to do. The last word from you, Aaron. What are your teachers telling you? We're all a little bit concerned. Uh, we know that some of these options that we might have to do may not be in the best interest of teaching and learning. Um, as a parent myself, I'm worried for my own children and what experiences they're gonna have in education if we're putting 36 kids in a classroom. And th that's a short-term solution that I could live with for a year. That's not something I want my child to experience for their elementary career. Well, thank you both for being here. We're out of time, but I appreciate what you do every day and also thank you for helping us understand the issue better. Thank you. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight James Argent in Nightdale. We wanted to redesign our school to something that was going to be unique and something that would be a model for what high schools could be moving forward. So what we did is we did a, a year-long research study into what could a high school be. And we landed on three primary aspects that would drive our redesign. Uh, the first was to be relationship-oriented. Students, uh, high school students in general, may not want to be told they're loved, but they want to feel loved. 
The second thing we wanted to do was to create a mindset of excellence and to have students believe themselves. The third aspect was to create an innovative environment. How can we get away from desks and rows and really make students the active participants and not the passive recipients of their education? So students are receptive to the change and they are, they are getting to a point where they are becoming uh, uh, stewards of, of what's going on here and becoming uh, strong representatives of the positive atmosphere that we're trying to build here at Knightdale High School. Once you build the spaces, then you have to change your teaching methodology and you have to train your teachers on how to utilize that methodology. He has empowered us to feel not just as teachers or cogs in a wheel of a school, but as individuals who can strongly represent what education should be. Our discipline referrals are were cut in half after year one and then cut in half again this year. Uh, the, the fact that we are, our absences and tardies are down by almost 50%. We have students in class. We just finished our first semester testing and we had the highest testing rate that we've ever had. Students are coming and, and wanting to engage. Those, all of those metrics look beautiful. The thing that I'm most proud of is, is not only the drive that the students have, but the drive that our teachers have to build relationships with these students and help them reach their goals so that they can be successful adults. Folks, that's what our public schools look like today. If you know someone or a program that deserves to be recognized, visit our website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. The General Assembly's mandate to lower class sizes and why it affects our state's specialty teachers like art, music, and PE has frankly been one of the more challenging issues we've covered on this show. Part of the reason it's hard to explain is because of how specialty teachers are funded. Here's how it's been done. The state provides districts with funding for one teacher for every 18 students in grades K through 3, but they only require districts to maintain an average class size of 21 students. The difference between the number of teachers funded and average class size meant that districts received funds for approximately one additional teacher for every six teachers. So that's how specialized instructors were covered. By moving to and requiring a hard cap on lower class sizes, not an average, our public schools will need an estimated 4,700 additional classroom teachers next year with a price tag of around $300 million. Now that's just personnel. Those 4,700 teachers will also need classrooms. In Wake County, the class size mandate equates to about 14 new schools or basically every elementary school constructed in this county since 2009. According to DPI, there are about 8 billion in school construction needs statewide. The General Assembly has indicated that it intends to specifically fund specialty teachers beginning in 2018-2019. They need to keep their word. Here's why. Without funding, the only option districts will have to fund 4,700 new teaching positions is to eliminate thousands of art, music, and other special teacher positions to make room in the budgets. Those subjects won't just be relegated to mobile carts. They will disappear, disappear from your child's school day completely. The General Assembly granted a slight reprieve this school year, allowing districts some more flexibility, but they kept even lower class sizes in for next year. 
Lawmakers said they need more information from districts about how many specialty teachers to fund, despite districts saying this is readily available information they've already provided. A new beefed up report on class size and staffing is due to the state superintendent in October. The bottom line is clear. The General Assembly alone mandated smaller class sizes. This didn't come from the federal government or parents. And they did it without providing funding for the teachers needed to meet the law. I mean, it's a classic unfunded mandate. To meet it, our schools must sacrifice nearly all of our specialty teachers. They don't have enough funding to do both. They also provide, the General Assembly did, did not provide sufficient time or funds for districts to add classroom space. So there's really only two options left that I see. The General Assembly's class size mandate either needs to be scrapped or they need to fully fund it. That's it for this week's show. Next week, you're going to meet North Carolina's new Teacher of the Year, Lisa Godwin from Onslow County. We're also going to preview the North Carolina NAACP's upcoming education conference. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.